0: Hey clip listeners, this podcast is brought to you by Riverside, your online platform for recording high-quality video and audio podcasts from anywhere in the world. There's two new features of Riverside that I want to talk about that I think will benefit all you cliptos out there. One is the automatic transcriptions. You can revolutionize your editing process and edit by text. With transcription-based editing, it makes it easier than ever to perfect your podcast. Additionally, Magic Clips just came out. This is an AI process that lets Riverside identify and create compelling short form clips from your content. Turn these short form clips into captivating posts for social media. There's also an auto caption feature that ensures these clips are captioned and your videos are accessible to all. If you wanna give Riverside a try, head on over to riverside.fm and enter promo code CLIPPED, that's C-L-I-P-P-E-D, for 20% off any individual plan. That's riverside.fm, and enter CLIPPED for 20% off. Explain something. What up potty people, and welcome back to CLIPPED. As always, I'm Eric, your host, and I'm here to bring you podcast production tips, resources, education, and industry insights to help make your podcasting life easier, I'm giving you the tools you need and the tips and strategies you can use to make a little bit of money from your show. Make some dough from your show. Today, I'm actually speaking with a podcasting pal. His name is Adam Schauble. He's the founder of Podcast Business School. That's his company and the name of his podcast, and he works with people just like you to help them make a little dough from their show. In this episode, he's going to be breaking down his journey into podcasting a show that he previously launched, grew, and sold, and how that led to him wanting to help podcasters fulfill their mission, help them make a little bit of money in the process. Uh, And he's gonna be dropping some knowledge on us. We're talking about how to grow your show, the right platforms to advertise on, how to prepare an offer if you're a service provider so that you can provide some kind of offer to your listeners, to your clients, how to grow your influence while also monetizing, and yeah this episode's really about all things growth and monetization and i'm excited for you to check it out adam's got a great story he's got a big background in fitness and wellness he owned a gym and all of that background in those early days helped set him up for where he is today and we talk about the correlation between fitness and entrepreneurship all kinds of rad stuff very informative Uh, Yeah, so without further ado, let's get into it. This is Adam Schauble of Podcasting Business School, and let's give it a go. Adam, welcome to the podcast,
1: man. Eric, I appreciate you. You are my pod pal, and I'm excited to get on your show, share your platform like this. Always appreciate the invite, and hopefully I can add some value. Totally, man. Looking forward to learning more about you and uh, introducing
0: the listeners to you, which kind of leads me off to the first question, just to get like a little backstory.
1: It helps paint the picture of like who you are. So where are you originally from? Yes, I am originally from Bloomington, Indiana, which, and I know you're from Los Angeles, so it's kind of weird that (laughs) Bloomington is actually known as the Los Angeles of Indiana. So, I mean, that's like- no, I'm just kidding. It's 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 not <laughs> all. Um, <but> yeah, <laughs> Bloomington, Indiana, Indi- Indiana University. Uh, I was born and raised, lived there for 42 years of my life, and then we moved to St. Louis last year.
0: Right on, man. And so, like growing up, did you have like a knack for entrepreneurship, or was there anything you did you even know what that was, or were you thinking about as you were getting older, like doing like your own business or anything like that, or what kind of what are your origins about work and and leadership?
1: Yeah, man. So this is a great question. Um, (sighs) Because I have been virtually unemployable my entire life. Like Mm. you, I am not an employee uh, of anybody. I'm just... I'm too creative. I'm an entrepreneurial wild stallion. My mane has to flow freely in the wind or I'm not happy about it. And uh, like I started entrepreneurship at six years old. I was that kid that I would organize other kids in the neighborhood and we would make handmade cards and walk around door to door and sell them at holiday season. And, you know, I had my like distribution channel and I'd collect the money and then pay out everybody. And I'm six years old. Uh, So yeah, from there, like yard work, lawn mowing, I would go and just rip up tree roots and whatever I could to get paid. And um, one of the gifts that my my parents gave me, and I consider this a gift, is that uh, you know, when I turned 16, they did not give me a car. They made me pay for my own car. And that was a true gift because it taught me financial responsibility. So I was saving up. Like they told me this early on, hey, bro, you're gonna have to pay for your own car. So start started saving up, start doing stuff. So from age eight, you know, basically for eight years, I just built up. I'm like, I got to buy me a sweet ride when I'm 16. And uh, so I did whatever I could to, to raise that money and then take good care of it. And when I turned 16, I purchased a 1987 Ford Lariat truck with two gas tanks. Wow. Badass. That does sound badass. <laughs> okay. So you kind of had a knack
0: for that. And that leads me into like, um, I know like wellness and fitness is like a part of your life. Were you doing that early on too? Did that come later? Because I think the reason why I'm bringing that up is I think that teaches similar lessons to entrepreneurship in a way with like the work ethic, the tenacity to stick with something and just like the discipline. So I know you you have a background in that. So tell me how
1: that kind of correlated, if, if at all. Yeah, so i grew up playing basketball indiana it's just kind of like the thing that you do i played football played baseball but really basketball was like my thing and uh pretty good ball player uh and uh that was kind of my sport of choice in high school had a really good team had nationally ranked team and like a lot of cool stuff happened because of sports but yeah i learned to be coachable i i learned you know leadership being a captain on a team um I learned honestly, by playing team sports, I had really good mentorship, really good coaching. Like my, my high school coach is the, the winningest high school basketball coach in the state of Indiana, which is saying something. Um, so shout out to coach J.R. Holmes and, uh, like having role models like that helped me figure out that, you know. We're we we can not always sit and blame all of our teammates for all our faults. We have to be willing to accept responsibility. And that's something that that carried forward with me as an entrepreneur, as a future business owner, um, a manager of other people. Like that's a great skill to acquire early on is going, okay, where am I at fault for this? Like if there's going to be friction, we need two rough surfaces. So what, what do I need to smooth out about my own surface? But so we can kind of get this problem solved. So I figured that out. A lot through sports, you know, the discipline, the putting in the work, just I've always been that that guy that I've been willing to outwork people, whether it's in business, in sports, whatever, like I will out implement you. I will keep showing up and showing up and showing up and showing up. And that obviously really paid big benefits with my podcasting journey because it took me forever to figure out how to do <laughs> this and how to make money and the whole thing. But I just stuck with it. So all those traits were developed through sports great mentorship i'm so lucky to have great parents and have great coaches that kind of brought me up and awesome teammates as well that they were you know i played with dudes that played in the nba for a long long time and like great college careers and all this cool stuff so uh, yeah being being plugged into that kind of a network early on paid off huge benefits uh, as i kind of dipped my toe in the the waters of being an entrepreneur in addition to your podcast do you coach sports as well and throughout like your journey have you coached a lot yeah yeah i i love coaching period um i like one of my unique abilities is i love to just kind of nerd out on a topic and then go and tell other people about it and kind of help them hit the fast forward button whether that's you know i yeah when i graduated college i opened up a gym and taught people about being fit being strong all that stuff uh then you know Doing the same thing with business, doing consulting with business and podcasting, but also like I coach basketball now. I'm a, I'm the proud coach of the uh, the the class of twenty, the graduating class of 2029. 20, so these are all 12 year olds, and uh, they are on my basketball team, and it's super cool to be able to impact people like that. But I've got yeah, I've got the coaching gene. I really like it's more than a hobby. It's just it's a part of who I am, and these parents. Are cracking up out here. When I've got a bunch of 12 year olds, I send a weekly newsletter. We do film session that they have to be on in zoom. We know we practice twice a week. There's strength training, like the, the whole thing. I give them nutrition protocols. I'm like, if we're doing this, we're going to do this thing. Y'all it's not. And we're going to have a lot of fun along the way uh, and actually enjoy ourselves. But um, yeah, it's just that it's, it's, I really get a lot out of it. I love seeing, especially with these boys, you know, they don't all have a great you know, male role model in their life and things like that. So if I mm-hmm, can step mm-hmm. in and just be kind of like what I had, like have that really good, uh, positive coaching influence, I really you know get a kick out of that.
0: But okay, so you're you're doing the coaching thing, and that's always a part of who you are. And so, when did like the itch to get into the podcast world? Because I know you've been doing it for a while, a lot longer than a lot of people. Didn't you have a previous show as well before? Oh yeah. Your, okay. Okay. Let yeah. Let's yeah. so so let's talk about. um yeah, your journey from coaching to maybe getting into podcasting as a way to uh either start a business or just build more
1: awareness about what you do and who you are yeah okay so i let's, let's rewind back to the year 2015 go back in time to the year 2015 and at that point in time i was a gym owner had a successful uh fitness business had about thirty-five employees, trainers, staff members. Uh, had about five hundred clients uh, doing group fitness, boot camp stuff, personal training. A homegrown, no, not a franchise. Everything, you know, kind of came out of my my crazy entrepreneurial brain. And great results. We had produced over thirty-five thousand pounds of weight loss in five years with our our system, just with our hometown. And things were kind of exploding. So I had a lot of people that were like kicking the word franchise my direction. This is a great concept. You need to franchise this so much money. And I'm like, this thing just exploded from me just helping people solo to 35 employees, hundreds of clients, really killer results. But I was like, I never really intended to be in charge of this many people. And I don't like the idea of franchising and being in charge of even more people. Um, Cause it would stress me out. Like all these employees, like I have to keep the ideas coming help them feed their families because I'm paying them. I'm like, this is stressful. Uh, So I didn't like the idea of franchising. I did like the idea of more impact. And I had started listening to podcasts and I was like, wow, this could be the thing that I'm looking for. So I started dabbling with a weight loss podcast that eventually became the Million Pound Mission podcast because I kind of had this Um, the whole tracking weight loss thing came about because our first location of the fitness center was right across the street from a McDonald's and McDonald's has the over a billion served or whatever. So we had a sign across the street that'd be like, how many pounds have we lost with the the thing? We were kind of like competing (laughs) against McDonald's. That's cool. Um, so the million pound mission, the goal was to, uh, to produce a million pounds of weight loss results for our listeners. And uh, I did that show for almost 400 episodes, and um, the but the cool thing that happened was, well, I guess first a not so cool thing happened, which was it took me three years to figure out how to make any money with this show. I was doing uh, I was doing between one and three episodes every single week. The first three years, I brought in thirty seven dollars, and that's an actual number like I, I made one sale it was for an online course for 37 dollars. best money i've ever made in my life though like eric like you know how it is the, i mean the first time you make money online in a passive way it's like wow i didn't have to personally train anybody for that i didn't have to have an employee do something for that like i just created a thing a person found the thing they bought it i never talked to him i may never ever see him in real life it blew my mind and i was hooked it's like okay This is where I want to shift my business after this $37 three-year experiment. So eventually, I started reverse engineering the micro successes, and I was able to monetize with coaching, uh, fitness challenges, um, online courses, memberships. I did a live event that did pretty well. And I started having other health podcasters approach me and go, hey, I see what you're doing. Your show is growing. Like at that point, we're probably doing about 20,000 downloads a month. And like, you know, things were cooking a little bit. And they're like, I see the growth that you're getting. I see the money that you're bringing in from this. It seems to be working. Can you show me how to do this? So I was like, oh, business consulting. This, This sounds interesting. And now all of a sudden, my perceived competitors in the health space were asking if they could pay me to mentor them from a business perspective. And I quickly found out, that there's a lot more financial opportunity in teaching people how to make money or grow a business than there is in helping people get healthy. It's unfortunate, um, but like a membership in the health space is gonna be 20 to $50 a month. A group membership program and making money, I can charge as much as I want because people see that ROI. So I started seeing the financial opportunity and that's the idea that birthed podcasting business school where I'm like, I have figured some stuff out. It took me a while. I think I can help people avoid all the mistakes I made in the first three years and help them accelerate through all the things that have been working recently. And it just took off. And eventually I sold my health podcast Oh, and that brand. And yeah, I mean, that's a, sell- a podcast is a sellable thing where, yeah. I mean, it's, we had a lot of downloads going. We got up to like over half a million downloads. We had an email list that was about twelve thousand people strong. We had an Instagram account that was around eleven or twelve thousand, and kind of packaged that together, and that's a sellable asset. So, did that, and I've been full time podcasting business school. I've been a full time. I sold my health business, my gym, and everything at the end of twenty nineteen. So, stroke oh, of good genius timing. slash luck. Yeah, you know, I mean, <laughs> I, I I messed with zero of the pandemic as a fitness owner because. That could have really sucked. Um, but so I sold that. And then uh, a couple of years later, full steam, uh, sold the the podcast, the health podcast. And I've just been doing podcasting business school uh, since uh, 2020, the end of 2021, 2022, 2023. So it's, it's been that show only and just doing podcast uh, growth and business consultancy and memberships, all that stuff. So you're crushing it, which is fucking awesome. So that brings
0: us to podcasting business school, which is what you do now. And for our listeners who are not familiar with you, tell us a little bit about what it is, some of your offerings. I'd love to hear more about it. And I'm sure our listeners as well.
1: Yeah. So like every show and everything that I've done, there's kind of been an evolution where you know, podcasting business school, when we kicked it off, I was like, I just want to show people that there's opportunities to you know, be a full-time podcaster. There's a lot more than just sponsorship money that's out there. There are different ways that you can attack this. Mm-hmm. And I've really narrowed down my my niche to like, I'm helping online consultants, coaches, service providers, people that sell their own programs, products and services. I can be of great help with them and, and teach them how to leverage a podcast to build this six figure or multi six figure plus asset where they can build that, but also leverage podcasting. The way I phrase it is I want to help them work one less day per week. I want to subtract a day off, at least a day after work week, because that's the cool thing about leveraging an online global audience is that you can build a business around that where you don't have to work eight days a week. And you know, I'm sure we'll get into it, but I've got a three-day work week and I make way more money than I ever have Working a million hours a week, working myself literally into the hospital three times as a gym owner. Uh, so this is so I'm very passionate about helping podcasters make more money, but also be able to work less uh, because you know that's why we usually make the money. There's usually something on the other side of that that we want actually want to do. <laughs> that's called life. Yeah. So yeah, with podcasting business school, that's where we're focused right now.
0: Okay, cool. So yeah, let's get into some actual stuff about like podcast growth and monetization and have have some fun with with this type of stuff. Let me throw you a couple questions. So, should podcasters aim to build influence first or to try to monetize first? I think
1: I think you can kind of you know, building influence, building what I would refer to as expert positioning. I think we got to do that from the bat, from the jump, like especially if you're a service provider, we got to do that. And then I, I feel like it's okay to build the infrastructure where income will flow at the same time. Now, will it be like immediate income success? No, probably not. Because if you have four people listening to your show, you know, uh, even if you have a great closing rate, that's not great success. So, uh, so I, I think that for for me, and when I like consult on newer shows that are. Like if they're an on, they have an online marketing firm or they've got a health business or something that they want to you know grow uh, with by leveraging a podcast, we really work on expert positioning first. So I've got this two thirds rule of content. I'm like, I need two thirds of your content to feature you as the expert. So yeah, I'm you're not, big I'm on, hating on interviews. Cast. Yeah, yeah, I'm not hating on interviews, but I'm like, I will, if you want to sell something to your audience. They have to view you as an expert. If you only do interviews, you know, you're know you doing good things for the podcasting space, but your audience will view you a, a, as the person that interviews expert and not the expert. So we gotta be mindful of that and build that expert positioning. I'm big on, like you said, the solo cast. I'm big on coaching style episodes. And like I've got clients that only do coaching style episodes. So um, I, I try to break podcasters free of the that paradigm of like podcasting equals interviews. Like there's a lot of different ways you can do it out there. And like, I still do interviews, but I make sure that I have enough, especially if I'm going into like a sales cycle, it's a new thing that I'm going to be promoting. I'm doing a ton of solo episodes leading up into that because like I've had clients that have a wake up call where they will be doing a session. They'll be like, Adam, um, I just had a guest on and they kind of do a thing similar to me. And I had somebody that listened to the episode, email me wanting a connection to that person so they could buy their thing that oh, I could no. kind of also sell. <laughs> and they're like, I think I'm doing something wrong. I'm like, yeah, you can interview that person, but man, you do not want to create this, you know, inbred competition of, you know, you do the same thing. It's like, let's talk about a different... Uh, topic or or something like that's not what you want to do. So um, yeah, I feel like building that expert positioning, using that two thirds rule of content positioning, that's really going to help. And then getting some sort of simple offer infrastructure built out. Um, What I found again, being a service provider is one of the easiest ways to start monetizing is you'll have people that want to work with you. Like they'll naturally start to pop up. You'll get the email. Hey, how do we work together? You better have something that they, can, <laughs> that they can say yes to. Like, okay, yeah, here's my credit card. Let's get started. I call this a start anytime offer. So like uh, usually this could be like a simple consultation, a one-off, or I like doing like a little two-week consultation package sort of a thing. And if it has you directly involved in it, then it's going to have a higher sales closing rate. If it is like an evergreen course and all they get is, is, you know, you know, online atom uh, course video Adam, it's not going to sell as much. That was a big mistake I made early on. I spent a lot of time building courses with no actual interaction with me and my audience just wasn't large enough to be able to run the numbers to make that profitable. You now down the road now it is, but you know, starting off when I first started seeing success, it was these like virtual boot camps that I'm doing small group coaching where I'm actually there with a group of people and and people were investing in that. And I, I mean, I just remember the first time I figured this out and I had a a $97 four week challenge. And I had 130 something people sign up for this. And I made almost $13,000. And it took me, I was like, Holy crap. I just, I just made like more than 10 grand and it wasn't that hard to do. Um, So that really opened my eyes up to, I need to be involved with this because that's how we kind of compete against the big brands in our niche is like, they do all the big automated stuff and everybody gets lost in the crowd. We can incorporate and infuse us in there in the offer. And that's an advantage. So uh, to, so long answer short, we, we need to build the infrastructure for monetization as we level up expert positioning. I think that's a great way to start a a, a podcasting brand.
0: Yeah, I agree, and I think, like you mentioned, they kind of happen at the same time if you're if you're doing things correctly and growing. But let's talk about growing. So, like, and obviously, this depends. But at, at, at what point? can some of those offers start to be successful? Obviously, if you only have, like you mentioned four downloads, nothing's going to happen. And I know part of what you do too is to try to get people to a thousand downloads an episode. Let's talk about some strategies on how to do that. And before you get to a thousand, can you still start to make some money? Like what's the point where, whether it's like a couple hundred downloads per episode, where you can start to get some traction on those offers. And then once we kind of get that, how do we keep, Keep getting more downloads, get to that mark, that thousand mark, uh, and beyond.
1: Yeah. Okay. Great question. And this is one of my favorite questions to answer. It's not easy. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, that's the thing we have to put out there first <laughs> podcast growth is not easy. Yeah. Um, it is something that, again, my inner implementer that I am, where I'm just like a hungry dog on a bone, I'm not giving it up. And I, I just keep trying and trying and trying um, and eventually figure this thing out. But it's not like going viral on social media where you can post one quirky thing and then you go nuts. Like every subscriber is earned. Like you, you got to claw and scrape, but then you start seeing little exponential jumps. I was just talking to one of my clients and she was like, wow, like all my episodes were doing like 10 per episode and now. You know, then they jumped to like 70 per episode. Now I'm getting over, you know, triple digits. I was like, yeah, wait till you use like 500. Like, I remember the first time I had a 500 download month on an episode. I was like, mind blown, 500 <laughs> freaking people listen to this thing. This is crazy. Um, and like, we have to celebrate all those moments. So it's going to be hard celebrate every single moment uh, that you you know the first time you, your show hits a thousand downloads, period, total downloads. celebrate the heck out of that. Put up a social media post um, and and just be uh, be grateful that anybody's listening to you and that you're being heard. But when it comes to like a growth zone goal to shoot for as a business person, I love it when uh, an episode is or a show is averaging about 500 to a thousand downloads per episode at that 30-day mark. So you release an episode today and you look at the total downloads 30 days from today. If it's in that 500 to 1,000 zone, you are primed for a lot of different types of business offers. So I think pretty much anything you can think of Maybe not a live event, um, just because that still makes me nervous. I mean, you could pull it off. I pulled it off at that point, but it was really hard. And boy, I was I was clenching my, my butt cheeks on on like, are people actually going to show for this thing? Uh, I was like, okay. And and so that five hundred thousand memberships, coaching offers, some online courses like email funnels tend to work better with that size of an audience. Um, so that, but I think that coaching consulting style offers you could do right from the start. Really? Because you'll have people that read and there's no like there's no harm in having that ready because it's not a group thing. Like if you're going to do a time sensitive boot camp and you need 10 people to sign up and there's like that pressure, like I got to find 10 people. What if only one person signs up? Then I look like a moron and like all like a, a group boot camp. So save that for down the road, have something that you can do one-on-one. I know it's not scalable and everybody's worried about that, but I'm like, let's make your first thousand dollars as a podcaster first. And then we can reinvest some of that into ads, grow on the show or whatever. And then things kind of exponentially multiply. So the scalability comes down the road. We got to kind of grit and grind and get some money going and, and get some listeners uh, coming into our show first. So um, coaching consulting from the the jump, just be ready. And uh, a um an example a painful example that I will will tell you is the first time I spoke on stage at Podfest I wasn't ready for this and I had just launched the show I didn't have any offers whatsoever and I was fortunate enough to deliver quite the talk and I had a line of people waiting to talk to me afterwards like out the door And a very high percentage of them are going, how can I, how can we work together? How can I work with you? And I got nothing. I had nothing for them. I just see dollar signs floating out the freaking door. I'm like, oh my God, I'm an idiot. Like, I just didn't know how all this worked. And I'm going to go speak on this stage. It's my first time speaking on stage. I'd never done any of that before. So that really stung. And I was like, I will never let that happen again. So anyway. Let's talk growth because that's the key thing. Like we got to get people to that five hundred, thousand, and beyond. If you have a thousand downloads per episode at that 30 day mark, you're a top 20% podcaster. And that's a great place to be. Again, it needs to be celebrated. Everybody sees the mega download people out there, the Joe Rogans of the world. And they're like, oh, I'm not like Joe. Well, neither am I. I mean, I'm a good looking bald man. But other than that, you know, that's, that's it. So <laughs> like, it's something that, we have to have our expectations dialed in in a little bit. So that thousand download per episode, Mark, great goal. How do we get there?
0: How do we get there? How, and how long do you, and I know that depends. Like some people I've produced a couple of shows with that. Like, I don't know if it was luck or the topic, but it started to grow quickly, really fast, but 95% of the time, that's probably not the case. So how long of a window, um, do you think? And I know that's hard to answer, but like 18 months in, if you're still only at 20 downloads an episode, I don't like to tell people to call it quits or like, yeah, just some like thoughts around that time and pivoting and kind of just some thoughts. What do you you think about that?
1: Okay. Let me give you kind of a tale of two podcasts. And I really want to challenge people listening that are, are podcasters. Like you got to kind of walk your own journey and you have to look at other people for inspiration, but you can't compare yourself because the different podcast niches are, I mean, completely different. Your business is different. Your experience level as a media producer and your equipment, like everything is different. So I've got two clients. Uh, One of them is in the very niche down marketing space. She is a marketing educator for like dentists and personal trainers and like, that's it, you know? And she, that's who she markets to. That's all she wants to to her show. It took her oh, almost a year to get to 3000 downloads. All right. So uh, an episode a week, about 50 episodes, about 3,000 downloads. Uh, you guys can total, the numbers on that. That's total. Yeah, for total, total downloads. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 100% all of her downloads, mm-hmm. every episode combined. That's how many, not per episode. That's the total downloads for the show. But she's getting clients and she's making money and she's paying the bills, which was, that's the point of, of why she's doing this. So she's got a tiny niche down audience. Then I've got another client they just launched an organic gardening tips for beginners show and she hit that mark in the first month oh wow you know, and it's it's just because of the topic and like it's open and there's it's her SEO is really great and you know that the show's SEO is great too but like it's just all these people are are getting their their gardening plans you know either ready for this year or for next year or whatever and she's just i mean it's just a bigger bowl to scoop up out of and So the downloads happen. So if you've got, you know, same thing as like if a famous person launches a comedy podcast, it goes crazy because they have a giant audience. Their bowl is giant. So that's where we have to be careful. Um, You know, all growth is good. What I tell a lot of newer podcasters, I'm like the first year of podcasting, you're figuring out how to be a podcaster. So just sit back and put in work and learn. But I'm not a big fan of like month to month charts and comparisons like, Ooh, July, 2023 versus August, 2023. What I like to do is year over year. So August, 2023 versus August, 2022, what percentage jump am I seeing year to year? And then that's kind of like, if that's going up and I'm like 20% up, I'm like, hell yeah, this is great because throughout the year, listening patterns get disrupted. When kids go into school, kids go out of school, holiday vacation, you know, if there's like an election going on, like attention is diverted from listening to podcasts. So you can't do month to month because it's not really being fair to yourself. And people, I'll get the email from the clients to like, I have 17 less downloads this month compared to last month. I'm like, you do like 12,000 downloads a month. Like this is not that big of a deal. Um, You know, it, it's, it's, you know, there's patterns that go up and go down. So I like the year over year comparison as you're comparing you to you. So that first year put in work, just grow it as much as you can and then start going year over year. Um, But we got to look at like organic growth stuff versus sweat equity growth stuff. And I like starting with the conversation with organic because that's the stuff you fix and set once and then your right. People are finding you. So like with that, we look at the name of the show. We look at all things SEO basically. So we look at the name of the show. We look at the description that you have in your host. And then we look at like individual episode titles and things like that. Cause all those things have SEO power, search engine optimization power. And so we look at the, you know, as it usually starts with the name of the show. I recently had somebody that I did some consulting with a year ago. And this is a great story. I freaking loved it. she just randomly showed up to one of my pod pals, zoom parties and dropped this testimonial. I was like, this is great. Um, but she had a show that was not named well. Her art was kind of weird. We get too creative with the names of our yeah, show. Yeah, you get too attached to it. What you think you so smart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Oh, it's beautiful. Um, but nobody, if nobody knows what the show is about or who it's for, it's not SEO friendly and you're hurting yourself download-wise. So this woman, uh, I did some consulting with her and all we changed was the name of her show and the art of the show. And she went from a year ago, doing 30 downloads per episode at the 30 day mark to over the last year, she's had 108,000 downloads, 108,000, 108,000 downloads total on her show. And just because we changed the name of her show with SEO Rich, like we knew who it was for and what it was about. And then I changed her art. So the who it's for was prominently featured. So when people are searching that, it really stood out instead of some weird Art thing, or people put a big old picture of their face on there. And I'm like, that, <laughs> that eats up a lot of real estate. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's the mistake I see a lot big picture of the face, and then like tiny, like italicized words that no one can see on their phone. Like, this is on their phone. Even yeah. if they have one of those giant iPhones or a flip, you know, whatever phone, like Tablet, it's yeah. still little. And so Let's make sure it's like a fishing lure and the right words are very readable, thick, chunky text. Let the text be the star of the show. If you can fit an image of your head or a microphone or a dollar sign or whatever to represent your brand, stick that in the, the remaining space. So that's kind of where we start organically. Any, I'll put a pin in it and pause there. That way, uh, you know, I'm sure you have thoughts on this.
0: No, I I think that's big. I think the name of the show, that's something that I've personally thought about. And then episode titling, I think that is huge because, yeah, it's just going to help you get discovered. People typing in those search terms, and then if your episode's related to that, your show comes up. Um, What do you think of how-to titles? Because I used to do a lot of how-to titles. Um, Do you think that, are people looking for how to make money from a podcast or how to do X, Y, Z um, but yeah, just to piggyback on what you said, cause I think titling is huge and the artwork. I mean, that's the first thing people see. Um, and I know just personally, like when I see certain, th- certain shows that I probably won't ever listen to, but at least I see the artwork and it makes me pause. I'm like, oh, wow. Like, you know, I know what this is. I know who it's for. Um, and I'm more apt, whether or not I do listen, I'm more apt
1: to at least pause and be like, oh, this is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's. The SEO works in two phases one is like the keywords draw the right people in when they search those words the art is like the the closer like that is like the mariano rivera that steps up to the freaking pitcher's mound and strikes it out and closes the deal like you have to have that art that has the right attraction level where they go i want to look because there might be 10 or 15 other shows that pop up in that search mm-hmm, and the art mm-hmm. is the thing that draws their attention they go i'm starting with this show first because they probably aren't going to go back and be like, what was that other show that I thought when I searched that random term, like that doesn't happen. One of those shows is going to get a shot. Hopefully it's yours. So um, if you're not famous or ultra good looking, I am neither. So I don't put my face on the, on the art. Like I'm if I put this big bald face on the art, people are like, <laughs> is this the Mr. Clean podcast? I don't know what's happening. Um, so anyway, like the, that's, uh, that's super important as far as just having that, that kind of, two-phase situation we're thinking but now with the the episode titles like how to naming an interesting question that i challenge my listeners to do is like when you're naming an episode what is the google question that this this episode answers so whatever the topic of the episode is what would somebody put into google if they were looking for that answer you can name that. that that's a great name for an episode because episodes will pull up in Google. And I just feel like the more the YouTube leans into podcasting. Right. The videos are
0: popping up of under, there'll be yep. like a blog or two, but then it's like three or four videos for those search terms. Yes,
1: yeah. So I really like that a lot. You know, if I have a perfect world, I look at an episode title, I'm like, are there keywords in this? And is this some sort of a Google question type of a name or something that somebody, would put into Google. And if I can check those two boxes, I feel pretty good about it. And this is like a pro tip. Like if you guys are new, just taking some time to think about what you just put in that episode title or the name of your show, or like anything SEO, this will pay off in a huge, huge way. It's, it's crazy. Like I do discovery call after discovery call week after week, day in, day out of all these ideal clients that go, Hey, I put, podcasting tips in Apple Podcasts. I discovered your show last Thursday and it's like Tuesday. They're like, I've listened to 30 of your episodes over the weekend. I'm ready to get started. I just don't know what to pay for. Like what, how much do you cost? And what, what should I start with? And I'm like, I don't do sales calls because of the way my expert positioning happens in my show. And all my SEO stuff works for me for this organic, like these random people are just finding me because of the SEO work. That I put in. And that's huge. Yeah, the,
0: it's funny the titles, it is huge. And I think too often we think the first thing that comes to our mind is a good idea. But I love the Google search tip. If people were typing this into Google, uh, you know, what what would you want? How would you want to answer that so that your show comes up? And more often than not, I'll like name it in in before I go to publish. But then like the day before I go to publish, I'll rethink the name. Chance more often than not, I'll change the name. I'll be like, oh, that first name, that that sucked. Like now that I've had time to think about it, I can come up with something better. So I think that's important too. And even shows that too. even shows that I listen to regularly that have like a big catalog. Sometimes I'll scroll through and I'll only listen to ones where I like the title or where I know I'm gonna learn something. You know what I mean? So that that's a yeah. that's a key point that people overlook. Let's talk about two things. Let's talk about ads from two perspectives. Spending your own dollars to promote your podcast, buying ad space in the various places that we'll talk about. But before that, I want to talk about, uh, because everyone thinks that isn't too savvy that the way you make money from a podcast is by brands buying ad space on your show. Let's talk about that first with a 500 to 1,000 per download per episode show obviously they're not going to be getting hit up by the big brands but should they be reaching out to brands to try to also get like smaller companies to sponsor the show like what are your thoughts on on that the service angle for monetization great it's kind of like a shoe in like you said if you've built that expertise but then what about uh getting sponsors for the show what are your thoughts on that
1: yeah so i have a lot of opinions about this like so <laughs> okay, if you <laughs> If, yeah. if you're if you're a service provider i don't think you need to worry about sponsors like pers- I've, i have sponsors that reach out to me and i'll tell them no because i make a lot more money selling my own stuff and and like so i've got this concept i'm not going to go through the whole thing because we don't have it's it's a it's a 30 minute ted talk in and of itself but i've got this concept that i developed called the podcast monetization pyramid and it's kind of like the food guide pyramid which we all know isn't like you know the best thing nowadays. People make fun of it, but but you can picture it. It allows you to picture it. There's layers here. So like we talked about that start anytime offer. That's like the base of my food guide pyramid for the podcast monetization period because that's the foundation of how I teach podcasters how to make money if they're service providers. The very top triangle of that's normally like the sugar and sweets you know, of the food guide pyramid. That's where I put affiliate partnerships and sponsors. I'm like, I will take that money if it totally makes sense but it's not my focus point as a service provider. Now, if you have more of an edutainment based show and you don't sell programs, products and services, you need to look at sponsorships. That is a valid way to monetize your show. And I think you should start building relationships early on uh, with like free value ads, you know, Asking, like, I I just talked to some people that are are looking to get sponsors. I did some consulting yesterday and I said, make your top 10 lists of brands that we're going to start reaching out to for collaboration opportunities. We're going to ask them to be guests on our show. We're going to do some Instagram lives together. You just want to start making friends with these people. And that way, as you grow, you've already gotten in. And you can get an in and a monetization opportunity earlier on if you make friends. Like one of my big sales techniques, I'm doing air quotes for those of you listening in, is I friend people into submission. I'm like, I will just dump friendship on this brand and and add value until they realize that I'm awesome and they want to be a part of what I've got going on. So like with my health show, I took sponsors and I did great with it and uh, I feel like, where podcasters are really getting screwed is mr john lee dumas invented this thing called cpm the cost per mil that and he decided because he's doing a million ton of downloads yeah it makes sense for him. it makes sense for him but it's like 18 to 25 dollars for every thousand downloads of exposure that's what a brand should be paying so if you're doing five you can't even get any money, if you're doing 500 downloads per episode, you have to get to a thousand and then they're going to graciously pay you $18. No thanks. So what I recommend doing is getting out of that paradigm. You can't just look at at ads alone. And this is why it's important to build kind of a three-legged stool of, we got a podcast audience, I've got an email list, and I've got a social media following. That way you can you can create a, what I call a brand immersion package where you're not only getting exposure to audio ads on the show, I'll, I'll feature you in my newsletter. I will uh, you know, do an Instagram reel that's customized just for you or a collab reel or whatever. And you can package all these things together, and now we can charge what we want and charge what we're worth. I, I'm telling podcasters far and wide, I'm like, you better not charge less than $1,000 for your advertising package because... These companies are used to spending megabucks on dying things like radio ads and print ads and all this stuff, and we can get them in front of a very niche down audience, and we know exactly who's listening to our show, who we're marketing to, what demographics, age, sex, whatever, and we can put them in front of that. And the, the, you know, unless you're doing dynamic insertion ads, those ads will be there forever. Like, that's a huge selling point. That's why I don't recommend dynamic insertion ads because that's a selling point of like, I got a bingeable show and people can go in and listen and it's always there and they'll go back into the back catalog. Your ad is always there, it's permanent. And, you know, that way they can get uh, more value out of that. So, you know, start at $1,000. And if you have a little bit of imposter syndrome around that, just keep adding more stuff to it until you feel better about it. So maybe instead of, Maybe they get five Instagram reels instead of one Instagram reel or, you know, or whatever. But start, if you don't have an email list, if you don't have a social media following, you need to build those two up so you can get out of just the audio. Because those advertisers will be like, you know, how many downloads? Okay. You're in the, even if you're doing 10,000 downloads an episode. It's tough. Yeah. The idea of, yeah, packaging. Because, yeah, you might have, some
0: people have a lot of people on social media. So incorporating that, YouTube, the email list. And before you even do all that, I love the idea of like starting to try to build those relationships with those, those companies. Um, so that when the time comes as your show's growing, maybe it's a year later, maybe it's two years later, but whether you're doing little check-ins here and there, or maybe you just give a shout out to the product, Hey, I'm using such and such microphone, just, just kind of trickle things in and, you know, yeah. yeah. So I, I love that. That's all good. And pivoting back to growth a little bit in ads, let's talk about spending your own dollars to buy ad space. Because personally, I've had good a good experience with this. But let's talk about how that works and the the places you recommend to
1: do that. Okay.
0: Because I, I see you're at. I see it in Pod News.
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. So let me. Can I give your audience one micro challenge that I think they'll enjoy that ha- that before we go into the paid ads, because I, absolutely. I, I, yeah. Okay. And this will take 10 seconds. Sure. This is fun. They will get results from this and it's fun. So as podcasters, I think we should ask for more free stuff. So this is my, my world famous free stuff challenge. I want you, everybody to go to their Instagram story and you know how Instagram knows all the things that we want to buy in it, like, <laughs> yeah. it, like implants it in our microchip brain or whatever. So you'll start seeing all these things. I want you to start reaching out to those people. Don't buy it but like maybe comment on their ad and if they respond back, go, Hey, I've got a podcast. I would love to test out your product. Would you be willing to send it to me for free? And Mm -hmm. if you do this Mm -hmm. for, do this for 10 of these things that you want, you're going to be shocked with all the free stuff. Like, With my health podcast, I would do this. I never paid for supplements, protein powder. Um, I got a $5,000 infrared sauna for free. All right, for free. And they just asked me to go live in the sauna a few times. And I was like an influencer or whatever. So try that out. Get all the free stuff. Reward yourself as a podcast. It's a fun game to play. So do 10 of them. And uh, get some. You You'd know. be surprised because I've gotten some free
0: this this little mic wrap. I've gotten yes. a couple free things. Yes, um, so love that, and that just yeah. helps. It's kind of fun, and once you get the first thing, it helps build momentum. And you're like, you're like, oh,
1: this is actually possible. Like I could, yep. I can do this, and so yeah. love that. Yeah, It builds confidence. Okay, so now that you get that challenge, let's talk about advertising and, and investing. So the first thing we have to realize, I think that one of the switches that needs to be flipped with a lot of podcasters is if like, if you really wanna make money, like a lot of podca- podcasters have a goal to make money and maybe even a lot of money, but their effort does not match that goal. And their mindset is in hobby mode, mm. as in mm. this is a hobby. I do not spend money on a hobby, but they need to flip that switch to business mode where you need to invest in your business. So, and they're like, no money's coming in. So I can't invest <laughs> in anything. There's, it's called startup capital. Like you, there's anytime you launch a business, there's a little bit of startup. All right. Uh, whether you get a franchise or you're starting a gym, like I did, I had to buy some equipment and I didn't have any clients yet. So, We got to flip that switch mentally and go, all right, when we talk about paid ads, it doesn't have to get super expensive, but like, I I think we need to take a certain amount of money, like podcasters will spend $500 on a microphone, but they won't buy a $100 ad on Overcast or something like this doesn't make sense. So we have to be able to invest not only in equipment, but also some marketing stuff or coaching to help us figure out how to do this. So that's a switch that needs to be flipped. I think when it comes to doing ads, uh, like I've had a lot of success with newsletter ads. So, uh, you know, Eric mentioned that I I advertise a lot in pod news where Mm -hmm. I'll go in there and I'll buy an ad, you know, once a week or so and throw my lead magnet on there and I'll invest in that and it grows my email list and that builds relationships. And I can put that into a funnel or whatever. Podcast player app ads. This is the thing that I wish I knew from day one Love because, this, yeah. yeah. You can spend a couple hundred bucks and get great results. Like a lot of you are doing less than 20 downloads per episode. And what if you could go out and scoop up 75 new subscribers and pay a couple hundred bucks to do that? Like totally worth it. You just, mm-hmm. you know, three X or doubled your, your downloads with one banner ad. And it's super simple. You don't have to be a Facebook genius to do any of this stuff. Like my favorite platform to start people on is Overcast FM. So if you go to overcast.fm uh, fm forward slash mm-hmm. ads, you go in there, you see all the categories. Uh, I usually challenge people to find uh, an ad that's going to be predicted to perform at $7 or less per acquisition. So every new subscriber for $7 or less, that's a good range to shoot for. Spend a few hundred bucks on not only your category, but look, we have to ask ourselves the question of what other podcasts... Categories do my ideal listeners listen to outside of my category? So for me, mm. I'll run an ad in sports or I'll run an ad in comedy and do really well for podcasts in oh. business school because my listeners listen to sports and comedy podcasts as well. So I'm scooping up, you know, education, same thing, true crime, same thing. So look at these tangential categories and maybe go, all right, I'm going to spend. a month. And if I don't buy it, if an ad doesn't fall into that zone for me, then I save that $250 and it rolls over to the next month. So now I got $500 to spend. Oh, that's that's good. Yeah. You know, that way you've got kind of a system about it. And then eventually when you start bringing money in, then you go, what percentage is coming back into my advertising budget? So 10%, 5%, 3%, whatever, whatever you got that makes sense, So you can still pay yourself and feed your kids, uh, but like reinvest a very specific and certain percentage of that in things like Overcast. But you pay for that, it starts immediately. You just got your image as a part of that banner and then you got like a line and a half of text. That's the only thing you have to create yourself. There's no targeting stuff, there's no nothing. It just goes and it works and they track everything, which I love the analytics of how many people saw the banner, how many people tapped, uh, how many people actually hit the subscribe button, awesome so that's where I start everybody off on their their paid advertising journey and it's very very podcaster and fan friendly
0: yeah I think it's important to reinvest and people are kind of scared to do that and it, it does cost a little bit of money for sure but I mean if you're in this yep for the type of people you're dealing with and I'm dealing with that want to make money from the podcast, that that's that's something that uh, you're eventually probably going to have to do. I mean, Pod News, you can get stuff for like fifty bucks sometimes, depending yep. on how far in advance and what day of the week. So it's not it's not crazy money, but you know that few dollars is going to help, um, and you're going to gain those subscribers. And if you've got an offer, like Adam said from the get go, when you get those subscribers, now you know what
1: to do with them. Adam, shout out whatever
0: you're working on and or where people can check
1: you out. Yeah. Just come over to my house and play at, at podcasting business school online. Uh, you know, wherever you uh, listen to audio, check out the show. I'm approaching 400 episodes now. So plenty of content to dig in on and uh, find me on social on Instagram at podcasting business school. Kick me a DM and, and uh, I, I'll probably voice DM you back. Cause I like to let people know it's really me and not a bot. <laughs> awesome. Adam will appreciate it. And
0: thanks again, man.